from University of Puget Sound, it's What We Do, a weekly podcast about the innovators, teachers, dreamers, and performers of Puget Sound and the stories behind the work they do. Hello, welcome to this installment of What We Do. I'm Chuck Luce, the editor of Arches, the Puget Sound alumni magazine, and your host today. I'm here with Allison Tracy Hale, who is a professor of English here at the college, and Katie Curtis, humanities librarian in Collins Library. Last year when Allison was designing her course on early American literature, she wondered if there might be a way to use the mega smash hit Broadway show Hamilton as a vehicle to engage students with 18th century literature and its cultural influences. Then Allison found out that Katie is a huge fan of American musical theater, and especially Hamilton. And a collaboration was born. The two decided to find ways to use the musical, which is based on Ron Chernow's best-selling biography of Alexander Hamilton, to create entry points for student critical reading and research. Thanks for joining us on this sunny November morning. Can we start by talking about the course in general? What's the content like? The course is an introductory experience for students who don't know much about American literature before 1800. That's the technical period that it covers. And in the past, it was what used to be the dreaded American literature survey, right? a sort of quick run through of the great classics of that period. And in the past few years, it's been harder and harder to teach. I think students are so aware of the limitations of these historic figures by contemporary standards. It's hard to find someone in the 18th century who isn't something of a misogynist and a racist. And I think students are particularly sensitive to that and resistant. I also think that the real world is so pervasive and saturated with media and immediacy that sitting down and reading what feel to them like kind of boring texts are, it's just not what they want to be doing. So I'd been struggling with trying to come up with an idea for the class that would make it more dynamic. And I'd also been working with the librarians on a couple of different projects to get students more hands-on experience with primary materials. and. Then Hamilton burst on the scene, and I was just completely taken away by it. I thought it was fantastic, and we haven't played anything else but the soundtrack for like the last year and a half. And I mentioned my enthusiasm to Katie, because actually I don't know that I would have put this course together without Katie. So she was really in at the inception, because she had these great ideas for all these resources we could bring into the class. Um, so in terms of the content, what we're trying to do is build a class around the historical and literary materials of Hamilton's life and his era. So he's really at the center of it, and we're looking at the historical materials rather than just the musical, and then supplementing that with a sense of the materials that would give a kind of flavor of 18th century American life. And the musical is fantastic because it introduces and puts front and center issues about gender relations and the rights of women or the lack of rights of women and of course the issues of slavery. So the course really tries to balance an examination of Hamilton that's framed by the issues in the musical with encounters with the actual historical record, and then also some of the literary texts that formed the context for Hamilton's life. And uh, given those things, uh, the collaboration with the library then involves what? How, how did you guys start working together 
coming up with material for the course? Um, well, I think that one of the really cool things about the musical is that it's already really, really well researched, right? Um, so Lin-Manuel Miranda really uh, did a deep dive, not with just Ron Chernow's book, but he references a lot of historical materials um, in the play, which was a good starting point. Um, and then with the library research, what the students are doing is getting hands-on experience with um, examples of those primary materials. So it could be letters from the various um, individuals that appear in the musical to each other. So their actual writings, they're reading a lot of Hamilton's own writings in the course. And then the research part of it is doing a, a deeper analysis of that writing um, and fleshing it out with some editing, some um, contextual and background historical information, that sort of thing. So you spent about a year working on pulling this all together. Um, it's the end of August, first day of class. What are, we, what, are we, what are we doing? The first day of class, we're listening to the musical. Um, <laughs> I started with the musical because I figured that was the whole point of entry. It was like Lin-Manuel Miranda gave me this gift and said, look, people are going to care about early America. Um, <laughs> I couldn't turn it down. So we listened to the musical. I think the first three days of class, we talked about the story that the musical told, the particular, <clears throat> excuse me, representation of Hamilton's life that Miranda has chosen to focus on as one of many possible stories that could be told about Hamilton. So clearly he foregrounds the issue of Hamilton as an outsider and an immigrant who doesn't see himself naturally as part of this new American nation, but who sees in the formation of that nation the opportunity to make something of himself and, of course, to make something of the nation. And so we talked about how that story was developed in the musical, how the different characterizations emerge, um, the way in which the musical creates a character like Thomas Jefferson as this really brash, bold, um, exuberant presence, how it, um, how it centralizes questions about slavery, debates about the Constitution, all of those kinds of things, to look at that as a kind of interpretation and an interpretive move. And then after that, what we did was sort of shift gears very consciously and say, okay, that's Miranda's interpretation of what Hamilton means, who he is, where he came from. Let's go back and look at the primary materials from that era and see what story we see emerging. To what extent do we want to challenge Miranda's interpretation? Where do we want to maybe add some more nuance? What else can we understand about this era and this period? And how is our emerging understanding going to differ from the story that he tells? Um, so we went right from the musical, we went back into his writings. We read the account of the hurricane the, the famous piece that he writes that gets people to send money to uh, provide for his trip to New York that gets the whole thing started and just jumped right into the primary material because I think at that point they had a sense of Hamilton as a figure they really cared about already just from his representation in the musical and that helped them jump right into that 18th century prose. Um, and of course Hamilton wrote that when he was very young so it's easier, I think, than some of his more polished political writings to get a grasp on that more um, personal, immediate uh, tone that he takes in that earlier work. Can, can we 
get more specific? One particular assignment that you all worked on together uh, and talk about maybe what the assignment was, uh, uh, how that interface with what was available in the library, with the materials in the library that were available to the students, how we use them, that sort of thing? Um, sure. So one of the first library inflected assignment that the students um, did in this course was a, a group project where they were preparing a scholarly edition of um, a letter from a historical figure that appears in the musical. We tried to stay away from Hamilton's own writing for that assignment because they were already reading a lot of that in class. So instead we picked letters from um, uh, Thomas Jefferson to Angelica Schuyler, perhaps, or, you know, George Washington's letters to various individuals. Um, we use, we have a lot of those correspondence collections in the library already, um, but we actually took the text from the letters from Founders Online, which is from the National Archives. It's an open access collection of um, correspondence from the Founding Fathers. Just to kind of frame the assignment, I presented it to students as if they were doing an entry in an anthology, say, if they were the editors of a collection of this person's papers. So they would write first, as Katie mentioned, a historical or contextual headnote that gave just sort of the basic encyclopedic information. Then they would think about how historical research creates a kind of interpretation for the document. So bringing together the kinds of close reading skills they do in English and the historical research skills that they need just in general for my class and for others. And so that was where they got this annotation. Basically, they were providing the footnotes. And then from those footnotes, they explained why they had chosen what they had chosen to footnote, which historical information, because they couldn't footnote everything, which... Um, rich references or allusions seem particularly worthwhile. And then following the entry, they had a more extended sort of explanation of what they were trying to accomplish, what they felt was the best way to sort of understand this particular letter in context um, from the time period. So it, that was kind of where we were all starting. And then Katie had put together a set of letters for them to choose from as well as a set of relevant materials so that they weren't just running around a scavenger hunt in the library. It was already pretty focused. Right. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the letters that, that you all decided to um, allow them to choose from? That was a really hard task. I think I read... I could imagine. I think I read letters until I almost went blind. Um, but uh, the we tried to give them a range. So we had a letter from Mariah Reynolds um, to Hamilton. And, and, and um, I, I didn't realize. We, we pronounce it Mariah. Yes, Mariah. Oh, okay. I did not know that. And... and um, she's important. Why? She's a very important figure in the musical. She is the um, woman that Alexander Hamilton had an affair with um, and then publicly um, confessed to his affair. Um, America's first political sex scandal. Right. Yeah. So we had a letter from Mariah to, to Alexander Hamilton about this um, kind of in the aftermath of this situation. Um, so that was one example. Um, and then we had a letter, 
Oh, I'm trying to remember yeah, the specifics. You know, <laughs> the ones that the students did, um, there was one from Thomas Jefferson to Angelica Schuyler, right. um, um, talking then, about sort of politics, but also their personal relationship. They were friends. Everybody found Angelica fascinating. Angelica was the sister of his wife. Yes, the sister and, of Alexander uh, Hamilton's wife, Eliza. And we're guessing that they were maybe a little more than friends. Uh, it's it's hard to say. I think the the play suggests that Angelica had these flirtatious relationships certainly with Hamilton and they do appear to have been very close but in a way that included Eliza in say the correspondence. So we're we're not sure there was anything illicit there. And similarly with Jefferson, he had a lot of friendships with prominent women. Um, but I, as far as I know so far, there's no evidence there was anything particularly illicit with Angelica, who was married at the time. Yes. Uh, but the students definitely were looking for right. affairs <laughs> everywhere. Um, there, was, uh, there were a couple letters from um, Hamilton himself to his friend John Lawrence, who of course died at the very end of the revolution and was very active in abolitionist causes, so the students were particularly drawn to that. Um, I tried to look for things that might mention either some of the events or people in the musical. So there was one, I believe, from John Jay to another individual that mentioned the um, mentioned General Charles Lee and uh, the conflict between him and Washington during the revolution. Um, there was a letter from Hamilton to Eliza before they were married. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I tried in vain to find something that Eliza might have written, but unfortunately her, not a lot of her correspondence survived. So a lot of what we have is Hamilton's own writing to her. Oh, there was one letter, to, was it to or from John? It was between John Jay and Hamilton. I can't remember now whose it was. And it, I think maybe it's John Jay replying to Hamilton in a sort of code because Hamilton has clearly sought his advice about the Mariah Reynolds mess. And Jay is imploring Hamilton not to go public with the what ends up being the Reynolds pamphlet, which, as far as I can tell, really just exacerbated the whole mess. If Hamilton had perhaps ignored it, it all would have gone away. But of course, he felt that it was worthwhile to to own up to being adulterous rather than to own up to what he thought he was being suspected of, which was um, fiduciary impropriety. So, Did the students, were they struck in, in, in reading these things from the 18th century of, of how politics hasn't changed really all that much? Uh, at least... Well, if they weren't on their own, then I struck them with it, because <laughs> especially given the reality of the recent election season, I think it was... Yes, this year in particular. Yes, yeah. exactly. I think in some ways it was, for some students it was a relief to recognize that the kind of name-calling and scandal-mongering and real incivility uh, that we like to think is new and inevitably, you know, our, belongs to our era alone, that this was common, you know, nothing was nastier than the election of 1800 and the kinds of sordid accusations that were being made and the, the concern about reputation and the smears on people's reputations. I think for some of them that was very 
reassuring. I think for others, it was horrifying because it suggested that there isn't some sort of perfect past or perfect future that we can get to where we will settle all of our disagreements amicably and in civil discourse. So for me, I think it's one of the, the things I really wanted to have students get out of the class, which is that, that most of the conflicts that we're still arguing about are absolutely built in to the entire structure of the nation, whether it's the the sort of uh, contest between individual rights and common good, whether it's these incredibly vexing questions of who the nation belongs to, who it represents, whether it's a question about how to represent the voice of the people, whether it's um, an enthusiasm for a kind of de direct democratic process or a real fear about the sort of hysterical tyranny of the mob, all of that stuff. And of course, the gigantic fault line that is slavery and racism, which is absolutely just central to the entire story of this country. And I think for some of them, it was helpful to see that this is not some sort of, the current season is not some sort of departure from that, but that this, this tension between the ideals of this country and the pragmatic compromises that have been made is really part of who we are and that the, the fighting of those things in the public sphere is really almost what defines us, I would say, as much as anything else. What, is, what will be the outcome for the students? What, maybe, maybe, there, maybe there's, well, there are probably numerous outcomes. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to do what you require them for a course, but, but also, I th and maybe you just touched on this a little bit, what you hope they're gonna take away from it. Well, I think, I mean, there's the, the sort of specific academic skills, right? We want them to be much more skillful readers. I want them to be familiar with the issues and the particular sort of rhetorical gestures of the 18th century. I want them to have a sense of what it felt like to be an American in these really tumultuous times. I want them to write better arguments. You know, I want them to be more adept at using research to help them advance their ideas. Um, I want them to know every lyric to the musical so that when I quote them in class, they laugh in appropriate places. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, so that's, you know, within the, the confines of the actual course. But I think more than that, I, I want them to see that the era of the founding was turbulent and exciting and dynamic and that it doesn't have just one meaning, whether that's a kind of celebratory you know, elementary school textbook meaning about all of these are great men or whether it's the sort of inevitable backlash when you find out that in fact all of these founding fathers or most of them owned slaves um, were themselves not really great guys in their personal lives, were um, inconsistent, were hypocritical. And I wanted the whole sort of texture of early America to be more available to these students, for them to identify with people living through this incredibly turbulent time. Um, and I wanted them to care about where the nation goes in the future. Uh, you know, that's, I, I don't have a prescription for what that caring should look like or what that vision should look like, but I think more and more people are inclined to check out of political conversations, whether that's at the local level or the national level. And I can understand why, but I also think that that, you know, at that point, the dream dies, whatever the dream was, so. Cool. 
about you, Kay? Yeah. Um, well, I think just in the sense of, you know, the study of literature, um, you know, because neither one of us are historians. But right, and that's something we want to be clear about with this course. This is not a history course. Right, this, is, this is about inter creative interpretation of writing. Yeah, exactly. And but I think an important skill for students to to come away with, especially students of literature, is um, the ability or to kind of grapple with the social and political context that produce creative work, right? Um, and that influence how that work is shaped. I mean, clearly Miranda's musical is shaped by the time that we live in and by the, the turbulence of the time that it represents. Um, and so giving students the tools to kind of grapple with that and make sense of it um, is something that I was interested in just as a librarian. <laughs> the course isn't finished yet. Right. There, you're yeah. still going along. You've done a lot of teaching. You've worked with a lot of students. How are you feeling that the students are responding to presentation? Oh, that's, that's easy. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> um, I, for me, they're responding really well. I, we, I've met with uh, Allison's class three times now. Um, and all of those sessions have been really just w one of the most engaging experiences that I've had on campus working with students. And um, after even the first session where we're, we were working with those historical letters and kind of diving into that background research, you know, I had students say to me, I didn't think I would like this assignment or I wasn't that into the assignment when I just read the prompt, but now I'm really excited. Um, and so that was really gratifying, you know, for me to get somebody, you know, to get students really excited about getting into the weeds and the details and the nitty gritty um, aspects of research. I mean, that's something that I, I would spend hours doing, but that's probably why I'm a librarian. And so to have that reaction from a student is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, they love the class. I was really nervous about this because I was afraid that there would be students who loved the musical, but when we got to the 18th century would bog down. And I was afraid that there would be students who wanted the sort of serious focus on American literature, wanted a more broad approach, and didn't like being reminded of the musical that they would think it was frivolous. And it is one of the most wonderful classes. It's amazing because I've got a huge range of students in there, even bigger than usual, in terms of their expertise and preparation, their majors, their class standing. And it is the nicest, most enthusiastic group of students. There have been two or three days where we're working with something fairly dry, the Federalist Papers, where Hamilton tends to make some of the same points over and over again from a slightly different perspective. And they're hard going. You know, the rhetoric is very difficult, the language is challenging, and I've come in with, with ways to sort of give students an opening into it by doing something maybe a little more fun or oriented in the, the here and now. And I've walked in and they've started asking questions or bringing up observations that they've made or making connections to the musical, and we never actually get to the activity because they're already so engaged with the material, which is a real change. Um, you can't always expect that when you're working with 18th century political documents. Um, so that's been wonderful. And then they're working now on a final presentation that they'll do um, in lieu of a final exam. And we had a library session. And it's all we can do to keep them from getting way too much material. So they're super excited about finding more 
um, primary sources. They're super excited about reading up on their topics. A couple of them were ordering books for their own collections based on things they saw in the library, which, you know, they were running around grabbing books off the shelves. Usually it's very hard to get students away from the computer search. Mm -hmm. So I think just in terms of their intellectual enthusiasm, it's been amazing. That's great. I want to take this course. <laughs> I'm giving it again in the spring. We're going to refine it a little bit and, yeah. and do some other stuff. So. That's great. Are, are we missing anything that you had written down and wished to say? Uh, Just, the, I think one of the things that's really struck me is how the meaning of the musical seems to have changed entirely in a week, given the election. Yeah. That I think we went into this thinking about the musical as a kind of celebration, right? Uh, a reimagination of what America looks like and who is instrumental in its founding and how now we can represent ourselves through this multi-ethnic cast. And I think with the election, it becomes a much more subversive and even more politicized representation, I think. Um, I realize not all the um, interpretations are in on what the election means, but certainly I think the the political discourse now suggests that recasting the Founding Fathers as people of color entirely um, becomes a really sort of bold pushback against what appears to be uh, white anxiety about the face of the nation and who can be the face of the nation. So I think, I don't think it necessarily changes the meaning of the musical so much as really puts it in a different relationship to what we think of as kind of public discourse that the discourse seems to have changed from a celebration of an African-American president to perhaps a focus on the anxieties about that shift in and what it would have meant. So. Well, Allison, you're teaching this again next year. Um, I'm teaching in the spring. Oh, in the spring? In the spring. Uh, in I'm, the, work, I'm <clears throat> working the Hamilton thing as long as they're yeah. still selling tickets. <laughs> okay, well, if you're allowing auditors, I'm signing up. Okay. Thank you for being here today. This was really, really interesting. Um, and I'll be interested to hear how it all wraps up in another, what? Three, six, four weeks? Four three weeks. weeks. Yeah, four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Soon. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. What We Do is brought to you by University of Puget Sound. Join us next Wednesday for another story about what we do at Puget Sound. And if you liked this podcast, rate us on iTunes.